wonderful name. And Father, we invoke that name on the service. And Father, we proclaim the name of Jesus that your words will be said, your deeds will be done, your glory will be made manifest. And Lord, we never tire praying this prayer. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm the sense the wonderful presence of the Lord here tonight. I tell you, if you go to church and he's not there, I don't want to be there. Amen. And so, uh, praise the Lord. Well, God inhabits the praises of his people. And so, your hearts are in tune with him. And it's evident by the presence of the Lord. You know, when you, you walk in his presence, it, it'll change you. You know, when Moses went up into the holy mountain, you know, he was up there 40 days, 40 nights. He was just, and I don't want to use this term loosely, he was hanging out with God. He was just in his presence. And uh, then when he walked back, you know, down the mountain, there was a big change in his life. He didn't realize it, but everyone else did. His face glowed. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of benefits. Your, your health will spring forth speedily. Your, 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 your countenance, the way you think. And uh, it's, it's really important to, especially in your homes, to, you know, promote that peace. Now, I understand you have kids. You know, kids will be kids. You can't, kids don't understand about the reverence and, and stuff like that. But uh, you ought to have times where you just get in his presence and enjoy that. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I was praying this afternoon and uh, I was trying out Spotify. And I guess if you're over 60 years old, you have no idea what it is, according to surveys. So I want to be in the younger group, so I got Spotify. And uh, because, you know, I want to listen to Pastor Nancy on, I guess you'd call them podcasts, and it's a real easy way to do that. So I, I wanted to try it out. And so I was going to try out some worship music while I'm praying. And, you know, I'm very picky of what I listen to when I pray. Because not every music is conducive to the anointing. Not, not all music does God like. You know, and so I'm very careful. You, you remember Brother Chris D'Amico? You remember him? They would pray long, wrong songs. Nope, nope, turn that thing off. That's, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, uh, music, you know, the Holy Spirit is, I don't want to say sensitive, but he's very picky on what, what's allowed in his presence. And so I'm very picky what I'm playing. And so usually I have to find like instrumentals, maybe old hymns, something very soft. But there, there was this one icon. It said, modern Christian worship. And here I am in the presence of God. So I clicked the button. And all of a sudden stopped and started blaring. And the spirit of God got grieved. I got grieved. How did I turn this thing off? And, and it was filthy garbage in the presence of God but yet it was the top Christian hits of today I says don't they know God don't they spend time in the presence of God praise the Lord can you you know what God likes of course you can you know and I've used this illustration many times a Reverend Scott is is back there Pastor Scott if if Pastor Scott were to come behind me without me seeing who it was and put his arms around me, you know what? I could tell you that was not my wife. <laughs> I, I, I don't even need to see him to know it's not him. But if my wife did that, I would know my wife. Why? You, you spend time. Uh, you know, I spend time with her. And uh, same thing with God. You, you spend time with him. You know what he likes. And... Uh, you know, you ought to just, as much as you can, have times just getting in the presence of God and enjoying Him. And uh, there will be benefits in your spirit, soul, and body that uh, you, you may not know about it, you know, right now. But uh, on the other side of eternity, you're going to see, wow, the deposits that were made because you spent time in the presence of God. Well, that's all free. No charge. And really, you, you need to reset my time clock you know what that was, you know, back when I used to go to movies as a heathen, um, you know, they used to um, show movie trailers before the main feature. And so that was just a movie trailer. Now, now this is the main feature. So I am serious. Go ahead and restart my clock. 
Um, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. They, they do that right because I tell them when I first start speaking, time me because I can be long-winded. But I, I do want to time the material that we're looking at here uh, tonight. Um, last week we began our new series, our new study for Word and Spirit uh, 2022. And it's called The Matters of Eternity and Security. I did the study, oh, probably 20 years ago, and it just kept coming up in my heart, and I, I wanted to revisit it, especially with all the current media and, and now the voice that we have. We have people watching all over to get this message out. And so what do I mean by matters of eternity and security? Uh, things that can affect our destiny as a Christian. Things that can affect whether we get to heaven or not questions to ask can we actually lose our salvation how secure is our salvation and what we want to do is look at doctrines in the bible we don't want to necessarily look at what churches believe or what people teach but doctrines in the bible teachings in the bible and look at them and see where some of these doctrines or teaching the bible can be misunderstood or misinterpreted. Um, we're going to look at topics uh, such as predestination, eternal security, backsliding. I'm, I can't wait to get to that one. The unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Holy Ghost, the sin of death. Now, if you're you're a student of the Word, you know that every one of those phrases are found in the Bible. They're, they're taught in the Bible, and uh, any misconception or misinterpretation of these scriptures or of these doctrines can lead a Christian into bondage. And I, I gave you examples. We're not going to go back to examples of, of people actually ending up in a, a sane asylum because the devil convinced them that they have committed the unpardonable sin. Even as a young believer, I shared after being converted, being a young Catholic boy, I went into an Assembly of God prayer meeting. And they had an all-night prayer meeting. And of course, you know, you know, in the Catholic Church, you only stood, sat, and kneeled. And when people pray, you know what you did? You just hung your head. That's all you did. Maybe kneeled. And so it was very quiet. Well, I mean, they, they were tearing up. They, they, were, they were going after it. Well, when you're raised Catholic, you never seen that before. And as 1 Corinthians 14 says, I thought they were all mad, uh, you know, all crazy. And I said, man, this is crazy. And all of a sudden the thought came, you just blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And because I didn't know the Bible, you know, the devil tormented me with that. And uh, there's a whole lot of people that, uh, you know, you may know some, maybe you've experienced it yourself, but uh, even if you haven't, you can help him, that are tormented because of misinterpretation of the Bible. And, you know, I've been in ministry over 35 years, and I can tell you story after story of the people that have been in bondage believing they were believing what the Bible said, but simply they misunderstood what the Bible said. That's why 2 Timothy 2.15, that's our golden text for this uh, series, is this, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So here it says that we need to study, not just to read, but to study. Because it's study, if we study that we're proved in God that we can rightly divide or understand the word. That tells us if we don't study, we may wrongly divide the word and be ashamed and, and actually believe something that's not in the word. And it's, it's when we wrongly divide the word that lead into bondage. But, uh, you know, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish because they don't have enough money. My people perish because they're sick. My people perish for this or that. It doesn't say that. My people perish for a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding. And so uh, a lack of knowledge or understanding, the word can, we can perish. We can get into bondage. But Jesus said, it's when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And so last week, we looked at predestination, and we'll just do a real quick review because we, we want to get to the next subject. Uh, what is predestination? It simply means what God predetermines beforehand. 
what God uh, predetermines to happen. And uh, that God sets in motion things and this will happen because he says it will happen. Based on Romans 8, 29, whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. So here we see that God predestined us. And again, if you weren't here last week, uh, you might want to catch the teaching online and that way you can see everything we taught about this. And we looked at the two schools of thought, uh, Calvinism, Arminianism. Uh, Calvinism means that everything happens for a reason, and the reason is God wills it. That, uh, and if God wills it, nothing can be done about it. Adam and Eve in the garden, the reason Adam ate the apple is because God willed it for his plan, his glory. But Arminianism it means that God may will something, and then we looked at the authors and so forth, and when, when this doctrine started in the church, uh, God may will something, but man has the free will to choose whether he cooperates with God or not. Like Adam and Eve, uh, God willed for them not to eat the apple, but they chose to eat the apple. And again, it was an apple. We just say that for simplicity's sake, the forbidden fruit. Then we gave you scriptural views, and we saw that uh, the Bible if we rightly understand it, uh, points closer to Arminianism. Again, not everything that gentleman taught uh, is correct. Uh, you know, every generation we get more and more light. I use the example of Charles Finney who changed the world. But if you read his theology, some of the things, he didn't understand faith, he didn't understand some of the goodness of God, and he was a little extreme on some areas, but man, he changed the world. You know, you know every, every generation we ought to have more and more light. And so, when we use these names, not something that we say we agree more with, that we, we agree with everything they said. And so the reason we looked at this, of course, is to rightly see what the Bible says and the importance of free will. But uh, we, we, at the end, we begin to talk about wrong beliefs that are held today that stem from Calvinism that aren't biblical. And um, some of these... You may hear weekly out of a Christian's mouth, if not daily, and it sounds good, it sounds religious, but it's wrong. Uh, one of them are, that, one of these sayings are this, everything happens for a purpose or a reason. Have you heard that? I've heard it countless times. Well, there must be a reason for that to happen. God must have wanted that to happen, therefore it happened. And, uh, you know, uh, is that scriptural? Well, no, it isn't. Um, we saw this, that, uh, you know, when God gave man dominion, when God made man, he gave him dominion, and he gave him a free choice. And, uh, you know, like the fall of man, uh, well, yeah, it did happen for a reason. Adam disobeyed. But this theology, Calvinistic theology, that stems forth, that if something happens in my life somehow God is doing something for me behind the scenes an example well you know I applied for this job but I didn't get the job so God must not want me to have the job see I was slaying religious devils because how many even in our camp folks folks believe that yeah folks believe that or maybe you wanted to buy a house and you put an offer on the house and that, that offer to get through it, someone else bought your house. And you know what we say? There must be a reason. And again, I, I know I, I'm, I'm cro I can sense it in the spirit. I'm, I'm just uprooting a lot of bad theology. And so, um, you know, the reason uh, maybe you didn't get the job, maybe someone else was more qualified than you were. Oh, no, that couldn't be. Maybe someone, the reason why someone bought the house, they offered $50,000 more than you did, and they took it. No, no divine reasons, natural reasons. Not, not everything that happens is a divine purpose. And then I, I, I made reference to the scripture, and you loved it, but, but uh, I, you know, I just quoted it, but I didn't give you reference, but it's Ecclesiastes 11.3. Now listen to this. If the clouds be full of rain... They empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree falls towards the south or to the north, the place that the tree falleth, there it shall be. Let, we can go home and just like stare at the ceiling and meditate on that. 
Wow. What is it saying? The wind knocked the tree down. It fell down. The reason it's there, it fell down. God had nothing to do with it. And uh, Bigfoot didn't either. Now, if you understand, people follow Bigfoot. Everything, every tree that falls over, Bigfoot must have done this. No divine reasons. Just natural ones. Then, uh, then right along the same line, uh, people say, and this one, ugh, they say God is in control. Like I said before, if you want to get the spirit on me and we start overturning money changers and throw people out of the temple, you start saying God is in control. I, my spirit gets irked whenever a Christian says that. Because what they're saying is, that's happening because God's doing that. You know, God is in control. You know, like COVID. And you hear about COVID and say, well, God's in control. I'm happy God's in control. You know, the last election, God is in control. Yeah, the reason these things are happening is because you believe something like that. You know, when God gave man dominion, he made him God of the earth. Then when he, when he sinned, he gave that dominion to man. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said at, that Satan became the God of this earth. Say, God is not doing it. Satan is doing it and man is doing it. And, uh, and when we say God's in control, it is a flat light. And when you say God is in control, uh, you have believed a lie of Satan because Satan is doing something and you're blaming God for it. Yeah, the reason why America's in a mess is not because God's in control. Yeah, we're not praying as we should. We're not doing what we should do about it. And so, again, it, it, it is a false doctrine. I, I think it's a doctrine of a demon in myself that allows Satan just to go on unchecked. Then uh, the last one we looked at was this. There's a set time to die. And, you know, many people believe that based on Hebrews 9, 27. It's pointing men once to die after this, the judgment. And they, they misinterpret. So, see, there's a appointed day for you to die. And you can do nothing. And you can't die unless God wants you to die until your appointed time comes. But it doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say you have an appointed day to die. You have an appointment with death. It says, actually, you have an appointment men once to die. That, that means we will, all, unless Jesus comes, we're all going to face death. But we saw from the scriptures, you have a whole lot to say on when that appointment. You actually set the appointment for your death. You know, the Bible talks about if you live right, you can prolong your days. If you live wrong, it says a wicked man's days will be cut in half. Uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 1, you know, he, he was contemplating, should I go to heaven or should I stay? And notice Paul's choice, what I choose, I'm not sure yet. Then he finally says, you know what? It'd be a little selfish for me to go. Uh, you're going to need me down here, so I'm going to stay for your sake. Notice, he chose, not God chose. And so a lot of these things are, are Calvinistic, this doctrine of demons, and so we want to avoid that. All right. What we're going to look at tonight is the topic of eternal security. Ooh. And so I know all of our viewers online you want to pay very close attention to this. Eternal security. What do I mean by eternal security? Maybe you've heard that phrase. It's a common phrase in the church world. Well, eternal security is the belief that one's eternal destination is irrevocable and is secured at the time of salvation. And that nothing that an individual can do in order to remove themselves from that security. So, what, what is it? it? It's the phrase, once saved, always saved. Okay. All right, we're going to have to plow uphill. I sense it already, but that's all right. Someone has dared to slay these things and get people thinking right. And so, eternal security says, I got saved. And I can never lose my salvation. It doesn't matter how I live, no matter how I act, no matter what I do, uh, I am saved. Well, it is a scriptural. Again, we're going to look at the Bible. Is it scriptural? And with many doctrines, again, doctrines, whenever you hear the word doctrine, um, it kind of throws people off. Doctrines are simply teachings or beliefs. 
And so, um, like many subjects in the Bible, you know, anything in the Bible can be taken to an extreme. Faith can be taken to an extreme, and it has been. Prosperity is in the Bible. It's been taken to the extreme. You know, holiness has been taken to an extreme. And so, the most important thing that we want to do is stay, what Brother Hagin said, right down in the middle of the road where the truth is. You know, when you're driving down the highway or even these roads, Route 20, Route 60, there's little lines. Those lines are good for a reason. You stay within those lines, you go straight. But if you go on the line on the right, there's a white line there. I mean, if you go any further, you're going to be in a ditch. And there's yellow lines, you know, in the left of you. And you want to stay just right of them because if you cross over and there's a semi coming, um, you may have your appointment already with death. And so the idea is right down the middle of the road. And that's what we want to do with Bible doctrines here. And so with eternal security, one extreme, one line, we could say it this way, is that once an individual is saved, they can never, ever lose their salvation. And this suggests that one can live like the devil, curse God continually, and whatever they do in the flesh will not affect their salvation or their eternal destination. Now, listening to that, it says, how can anyone believe that? There are whole denominations that believe that, that preach that, that teach that. Now, why would they believe that? Because they believe the Bible says so. You know, it'd be wrong if they just teach it and not have no chapter and verse. So we're just going to give you a few. There, there's a whole lot more than I'm going to give you. But just some supporting scriptures. Uh, just for the sake of time, I'll make reference to them. Uh, John 10, 29. My Father, Jesus speaking, which gave them to me is greater than all. Then no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. So it's interpreted that once we're saved, we're in the Father's hand. And nothing can take us away from our Father's hand. Once saved, always saved. Romans 4, 14, 4. Who art thou to judge another man's servant? To his own mastery stand falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. So here it says, you know, don't judge your brother. You may look at him and say, you're not doing right, you're not living right. But uh, we, we shouldn't judge the brother because, because God's going to make him stand. It, it'll come out in the wash. You know, he'll stand. You know, what he's doing is going to affect his eternity. And so, again, you know, Roy Hicks, who was a good friend of Kenneth E. Hagan, he was a camp meeting speaker and also the uh, overseer of the four-square denomination, which was started by Amy Semple McPherson, uh, a very knowledgeable man, uh, you know, a scholar. And he said this, and it's so true. You can make the Bible say anything you want it to. And that is true. You can take chapter and verse out of setting. You can take this scripture, add this scripture. You can twist this. You can make the Bible say anything. And so that's why, again, we need to study the word rightly divide. Use the, the law of two or three witnesses. And also the whole counsel of the Bible and so uh, another scripture uh, we all know this one is Ephesians 2 8 for we are saved by grace are we saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God again Bible teaching scripture doctrine we're saved by grace yes we're not saved by our works and because works don't save us they can't take us out of salvation either. And, and again, I'm just using two or three witnesses of where they get this doctrine from. I, I have in my library. I haven't visited a while. I was going to read it, but, you know, because of my schedule, you know, uh, with Bible school and everything, you know, I have to stick really close to what I'm preaching, teaching on, not read these things. But, um, uh, you know, I have books online and why they believe. And it's, it's, it's interesting of how they interpret the scriptures. Because you can make the Bible say anything you want to. And uh, this, this is dangerous. I, I remember talking with a, a Christian woman, dear Christian woman, who 
who was very active in a church, but went to a church that believed in, in eternal uh, salvation, once saved, always saved. And, um, and I'm going to kind of make it generic. Now, know this, I never use people as examples in our church unless it's a good thing. See, once you leave your church, then I can talk about you publicly. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, and so this, this woman went to a church, and so you know didn't come to our church, that taught once saved, always saved. And um, she, I was talking with her because her, her son had just died, you know, and way before, I think in a car accident or with a drug overdose. And, and you know, those things are sad. So I just wanted to be, you know, gracious and talk to her. That, that's horrible for any parent to experience that. And so, and, um, you know, it comes up from, from, her, from her own lips. The child was, when I say child, he was an adult. Her, her son was an adult and was in all kinds of wrongdoing. I think he even had a homosexual lifestyle and, and, and died, you know, because of sin and so forth. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I want, I want to, Man, you know, my heart goes out because someone lives like that. And she assured me that her son was in heaven. Why? Because as a little boy, he went to the altar. And because he went to the altar and prayed, he could never lose his salvation. So she is so relieved that regardless of the way he lived and what he'd done with his life, that he is in heaven. You know what I want to say? So be it. So be it. I saw hell once. I don't, I, I don't wish anyone there. Okay. But if that's wrong, the Bible says, they that trust and lie in vain is forsake their own mercy. And see, where the error is, if you teach that, means it doesn't matter how you live. You can just do whatever you want. And your life is secure. So, again, I think that's an extreme. You know, you can live any way you want concerning it. But there, there's also another extreme, another line that we really don't want to cross and insist that a Christian can easily lose their salvation. This promotes any offense can cause you to lose your salvation and lead you to hell. Therefore, you must be saved over and over and over again. So one sins, one saved, always saved. Another ditch is you got, every time you got to get born again and again and again and again. And if you happen to die, and, and because you accidentally miss it and you die, you're going to go to hell, no matter how good you were, because you were in sin, you did that just before you died, there's no hope for you. Now, how could anyone actually believe this? And again, there's whole denominations, whole denominations. I mean, I'm talking millions of people under these denominations that are taught these things on both ends. Well, they get from the Bible, scriptures. Again, the key study, the rightly divide. Again, mouth through through just a few scriptures of which they base their doctrine on. Philippians 2, 12 says this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye always obeyed, not in my presence only, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, there you have it. See, once we're saved, we have to work at being saved. We have to work this thing out. And we must do it with fear and trembling, with great fear of losing it. Because it is easy to lose, so you've got to keep working at it and working at it working at it in order to stay saved. Again, a face value, it looks like that's what it's saying. You've got to work, you've got to, work to be saved. Romans eleven twenty one. 21. For if God spared not the natural branches speaking of Israel take heed lest he also spare not thee then it goes on and explains this so this is strong language God says hey I called Israel but Israel didn't obey me and hasta la vista I wiped them off and uh, the same thing with you if you don't keep in line if I didn't spare my natural race and you were groomed in against nature I'll take you out quicker and I'll take them out so you better walk straight. That's pretty scary. But uh, the denominations and preachers preach this way. Now if that didn't get you scared, 
Hebrews 10, 26 through 27. And again, all of these scriptures are in the Bible. Now, are you ready for this one? All right, I can do this. For if we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, that means after we're born again, there remaineth no sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking of judgment and fiery indignation in which God shall devour his adversaries. That's in the book of Hebrews. So there you have it. If we sin after we're born again, that's it. Hell awaits you, and it's better that you not know the way of righteousness than, than to, to be saved and to sin, and, and it's going to be worse for you. And again, those are other scriptures that, for, just for the sake of time. And so, again, this side, scripture. This side, scripture. We, we have that dear woman working church. Her son lived like the devil. Oh, no, he's in heaven. But uh, on the other side, I, one of my secretaries came from a church that taught this way. Pentecostal holiness. Oh, if you didn't get any of that, you don't know what living right is. And, you know, she was very devout in her faith, but very much in doubt of her salvation. Now, she didn't rob a bank or commit murder. But like all of us, she knows that she, she missed it. We, we all miss it from time to time. And one of her fears is she's no longer going to that church. And of course, that's a sure ticket to hell. If you don't go to that church. Now, I kid you not. And I, I really ought to find this out. It either took me six weeks or six months under my teaching and talking with her to convince her that she's saved and will go to heaven when she died. Because I would ask her daily and says, are you going to heaven? I, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. That's how much it was ingrained in her. Uh, now, again, extremes. Anybody. You can live any way and get to heaven. Here, you've got to walk such a straight line. Um, you know, both of these have scriptures. And so, what is the truth? Who is right? Well, like we said before, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. You know, when we, we talked about predestination, we saw Calvinism, Arminianism. And, but we said, you know, the truth is more over here in Arminianism. But when it comes to these two extremes, the truth is right in the middle. All right. Now listen to this. I got some statements. The truth is one's salvation is eternally secure if we are genuinely born again and do not intentionally remove ourselves from the grace of God. And so let me read that again. One's salvation is eternally secure if we are genuinely born again and do not intentionally remove ourselves from the grace of God. Again, we, I emphasize genuinely born again and intentionally removing ourselves from the grace of God. Now I'm going to say this. Balance. One can lose his standing from grace. The Bible teaches it. And we're going to look at those things. We won't have time tonight. So you've got to come back. Because you won't know if you make it or not. And I'm actually, you know, you've got to come to all these. Because I'm, I'm going to teach you. How to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, how to commit the unpardonable sin, and how do you lose your salvation? You can never get back to heaven. So you're going to want to stay, you know. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to do that. Yeah. And again, in a later section, if we come next time and there's no one here, we know maybe we ought to say that you'll find out what it takes to lose your salvation, what it takes to commit the unpardonable sin. All right. It is true, we are saved by grace and not of works. There is nothing we can do that makes us worthy to be saved. That is true. But we also understand that we are still under grace even when we're saved. You know, 
It's not God so loved the world and come, Jim, as you are. And once you get saved, God is mad at you and, and God a ruler and says, you, you, you've got to be perfect in order to be in my favor and blessing. All believers have faults and shortcomings. But as we walk with the Lord and as we repent, we are continually washed in the blood and we have fellowship with God and one, and one another. Again, 1 John tells us these things. Again, for this, I could give you a lot of scriptures. A Christian can even miss it big time, but this will not revoke their salvation. And then this is the ultimate statement. Sincere Christians are eternally secure. Secure Christians are eternally secure. Now again, balance. So, if we were to, if we only had a choice, here you have the Pentecost, the holiness, other, man, you're going to miss it, you're going you're, you're gonna to fry in hell if you miss it, then you have one, that's an extreme, but really, that is so bad, it is almost better to be on this side, and the Bible's a little bit closer to this side than that side, because it's the beauty of the grace of God, because God said all sin and come short. That he may be good to all. But we, we want to, we got to take some time and look at the boundaries here. The balance. There are those who claim to be born again and do not display any change in their lives and persist in wrongdoing. Are these individuals eternally secure? Again, if we would just stop their teaching, no, no, we're, we're, we're going we're to pull all the dust from underneath the rug and open up the doors that you don't want to see. A couple of conclusions. And this, this is vitally important, especially in the Church of America. One conclusion is this. They were never born again. It is possible that folks say, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I live wrong. I sneak, drunk. I, I, I drink, I smoke, I chase, yeah, I chase other women, chase other men. You know, I, I'm in, in moral things, you know, but, you know, I go to church and I'm okay. You may have said a prayer, but that doesn't mean you were born again. And this is what the church in America needs to understand. Praying a prayer in church does not get you born again. Buddhist monks pray prayers 24-7. It doesn't say praying a prayer makes you saved. Nowhere in the Bible does it say. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. It didn't just say pray a prayer, just a mental assent. And so... I am convinced that folks say they're Christians and they don't live right. They're, they're never born again. They may have prayed a prayer, but there's no change. They've never been born again. Saul of Tarsus was going one way. He met the Lord, went another way. People that have encountered with God I mean, they're baby Christians, they will stumble and fall, but they start getting headed in another direction, fruit will show up. Now, this needs to be said. And when I say this, I'm not attacking a denomination. I'm just stating the truth. Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual daddy, he went to a Baptist church. Again, I'm not attacking Baptist church. They tend to believe, some of them, not all of them, once saved, always saved. Okay? He went to Sunday school. They went to church. And the Sunday school teacher, how many of you want to go to heaven? Come on and give your heart. And he prayed a prayer at the altar as a little boy. Probably, what, eight, nine years old. He thought he was a Christian. He prayed a prayer. There's a little mini book called what? I went to hell. He went to hell as a Baptist who prayed a prayer at the altar three times. 
I know that seems, but if folks believe a lying vanity, say, I prayed a prayer, I'm saved. Brother Hagin went to hell praying a prayer three times. So, again, now I, I believe, you know, this may say, well, Pastor, I, I just want you to teach on prayer and prophesying. No, the body of Christ needs to hear this. There, there's so much deception. See, when someone is born again, they begin to exhibit change. If there is no change, they weren't born again. Absolutely not. They may have prayed a prayer, but nothing took place in their heart. Matthew 7, 16 through 20. Jesus said this, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so a good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. A corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Cannot. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every truth, every tree that's not brings forth good fruit is hewn down and what cast in the fire. Where but for, wherefore, by their fruits, Jesus said that you'll know them. An apple tree bears apples. A pear tree pears. You can't help it. Jesus said, Christians would bear fruit. If there is no fruit, now don't get me wrong, when you, you plant a seed in the ground, for a while you don't see nothing. It looks just kind of mucky dirt. But eventually something begins to sprout. Something begins to happen. You, you will see a change. Sometimes people's chains are like, wow. But some people are gradual, but there's a change. If there's no testimony, there's no conversion. First John, again, this is so important. Now, Church of America, don't turn me off. Because this is not something to be played with. First John 3, 9. Get this. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. That's in the Bible. Now, the scripture can confuse you if it's not rightly divided. It would appear that if you're born again, it's impossible for you to sin. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have been born again and you might have missed it maybe just once? Well, according to scripture, you're not born of God. You see, that's why you have to study, rightly divide. I don't understand people that would read this and just not want to understand this. I want to understand everything. I, I, I don't want... To get up to heaven and find out I've been deceived. I, I want to know what he says. So what does it mean? It means when you're born again, and we understand this, you're a new creature. Your spirit receives the life and nature of God. God's nature cannot sin. Meaning, when you're born again, truly born again, you cannot purposely and willfully sin from your spirit and enjoy it. Or desire it. We all know this. Maybe the 10% of you that ever sinned after you are born again. When you sin, what happens down here? You're grieved. Yucky, yucky, itchy, itchy. I don't like this. Ooh, you, you want to make it right. That's proof you're born again. That's what he's saying. Here it says this. You're born of God. You can't commit. Your, your, your heart cannot agree with sin. Your heart will condemn you when you're in sin. Now, if you see a Christian and they're partaking in sin and say, my heart doesn't smite me. God, this is all right. They're either not born again or seriously deceived. This is contrary to the Bible. Reading the book of 1 John clarifies all this about the line of once saved, always saved, and 
walking right and the fruits. There was a lot of false teaching in John's day. And it's, it's interesting the same teaching is going on today. But just listen to these verses. 1 John 1, 5, and 6. This is the message we've heard of him and declaring you that God is light. There's no darkness in him all. If we say we have fellowship with him, we're okay with God, and walk in darkness, we lie. Tell not the truth. See, if you're a Christian, you're drinking, say God's all right when you're drinking, you lie. You don't know God. If you're sinning and... In, you know, we, we're not here to go down the list of sin. But if you're doing something that's blatantly against the Bible, says, I'm a good Christian, you lie. Now, if you're not born again, you're not lying. Because your heart won't speak against you because you still have the nature of Satan in your spirit. But when you have the nature of God, you cannot say, I'm okay with God and be partaking of sin. Sin is walking in darkness. Here, John says, you're a liar. I'm, I'm just reading the Bible, folks. 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Again, there's boundaries to this. We're simply what the Bible says. You can see the extreme, once saved, always saved. You can live any way you want. Not according to the Bible. If you're living in an immoral lifestyle, you don't know God. You're not born again. All right, 1 John 3, 4, whosoever commits sins transgresses the law, for sin is transgression of the law. Verse 5, and we know that he was manifested to take away our sin, and him is no sin. Verse 6, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. That is very clear language. It says, if you know God, you, you can't be sinning. Now, again, we're going to look at that the people can be bound in some areas, but their heart, they know, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. That's the proof you're born of God. And if you're, you're out carousing, doing immoral, wrong things, and say, I'm good with God, you're a liar, and you're not born again. According to the Bible. This is why I have a big church. It doesn't mean that we won't miss it, because when we miss it, what? Our heart condemns us. First John. Oh, our heart condemns us. Oh, yike, 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 yike. Your head may be saying, devil saying, you know, it's all right, it's all right, but somewhere down here, you know that you know. That's proof you're born again. And he goes on, verse 7. Little children. Now in context, remember, sin, he's called you a liar. If you're sinning, you don't know God, you're not walking with God. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he's righteous. But pastor, we're saved, we're saved by grace, not of works. Yes. But here it says, if you're not living righteously and doing righteously, you're not righteous. And deception is you can live any way you want and be okay with God. Yeah. That is a false doctrine and a doctrine of a devil. It's called deception. You know, and again, I really have to rely on everybody else outside the circles. We're in a hub. We're protected unless you watch a lot of Christian TV, then you're open up to a whole lot of seducing spirits. But I hear people watch, I guess there's this grace doctrine going out, and, and there's a biblical truth of grace that we really need to tap into. Thank God for grace. Everything we have for grace. But grace taking the stream, and the extremes are, because of grace, you can do anything you want. You can sin, you can drink, you can, you can carouse. It's all in the grace of God. And you don't do anything because God has done everything. Well, that's, a, that's a doctrine of a devil. And that's where John says, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous, fruit, the fruits of right. He that does it, he's righteous. Someone says, I'm born again and live in unrighteousness. They're either deceived or a liar. They're not born again. Okay. Now, balance. 
The prophet has spoken. Now the pastor will speak. The balance is some sincere folks, meaning born-again folks, can be bound in some areas. We don't throw stones at them. Jesus didn't. But the thing is, when they're in sin, their heart smites them. And they should never be encouraged that it's okay. That's the give in to deception. Remember Jesus? Remember Jesus? The woman caught in adultery? He didn't throw stones, but he had a little message for her. What? Go and sin all you want because you're saved now. Sin no more. The, the man in John chapter 5 at that pool of Bethesda raised up. And Jesus boogied because he didn't want the attention. Found him later and says, sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. I thought Jesus was a Jesus of love. This is Bible truth. Again, we're just camping along this line because there's a whole lot of bad doctrine out there. Do I dare even get into some of this stuff? All right, it'll be your fault. Let's talk about homosexuality. Yeah. The thing that they don't want you to talk about in church anymore. All right, so I'm going to talk about it. Anyone who flaunts that lifestyle, okay, doesn't know God. They're not born again. Anyone that flaunts it and says, this is right, this is okay, they do not know God. Why do I need to read any more scriptures? Do we need to go to Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2? It's called the reprobate mind, void of understanding. Yeah. It's called serving the creature and not the creator. So that's the prophet. And that's right. Now the pastor. Can there be Christians bound in the sin? Yes, I've met them. How can that be? Their heart knows it's wrong. They can be bound. They can be bound in these areas. They can be bound. And a lot of... Let, let me say this. Zoom in on me. Homosexuality is a demon. I've cast them out of people. I've experienced along this line. And you, you know where you can tell a demon? A demon promotes anything that's not natural. Romans 1, 2, it says... That, it says homosexuality is against nature. It's, you're not born that way. You're deceived at thinking that way with the spirit of the world, the spirit that is ruling all over the earth, the God of this world, the deception. You're not born that way. The only one that wrote the manual of how you were made is God. He made you. And so it's against nature. But a demon can get a hold of someone and drive them to such impulses where they, they, don't, they know it's wrong. And, and because that demon drives them, that's a whole different thing. See, their heart knows it's wrong. So can you be born again and still struggle? Oh, absolutely you can. Just the same thing with alcohol and tobacco and, and, and every, every other vice and vile thing. But uh, that's, that's why they need deliverance. See, if, if, the, if the church teaches they're born that way, it's okay. They're going to they're go off in deception and end up in hell. Yeah. See, they, they need to get under conviction and be in a place where they can cast, they can cast out. And I can give you stories casting demons out. That goes, you know, homosexual, lesbian. Uh, you know, it's wrong for an adult to want a child. That's a demon. An animal and all the other perversions out there. We, we, we don't throw stones, but you cannot be a born-again child of God and condone these things and, and, and are okay, okay with it. You, you're not born again if you say it's all right. Now get this. Verse 8. Let's see. I, yeah, I was reading 1 John 4, 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It says, sin is of the devil. You commit sin, you're of the devil. Okay. 
Um, let, let, let's just dabble a little bit here. Since you had the prophet, let's, let's get the pastoral. There, there's a whole lot of promoting love out there, isn't there? The rainbow banner of love. And we Christians are accused of hatred because we don't accept that lifestyle. Don't, don't believe that lie. We don't accept it because God doesn't accept it. Now, they have no right to define loving because they don't know God. They don't know what the love of God is. They don't know what love looks like. They believe love is all, all acceptance. That's, that's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Now, the thing is also a balance. We Christians are not allowed to hate anybody, regardless of their lifestyle. Do I hate homosexuals? No. I want, I want to win them to Jesus. Do I hate lesbians? Do I hate people and sin and, and drug peddlers and, and so forth? No. I mean, Jesus Christ came to seek and save what? The saved? The lost. So we don't throw stones. Jesus didn't throw stones. So you have to understand that we should never have hatred for anybody. And if you hate someone, God can never use you to minister to them. you you got to love people. And so they're saying love, but they don't understand love. This is love. Jesus was love. The woman caught in adultery helped her, but said sin no more. He called adultery a sin. The Bible calls homosexuality a sin. All right. So we love people. We don't throw stones. We try to help them. What, Pastor, what if homosexuals came to church? I'd just come. See, I have a, I, I'm secure. I have an anointing that they can't last but three services. They're either going to get born again or they're going to get so uncomfortable that they're going to run out of here. And that's happened throughout the years. Always, ma'am, bam. They, they either will come to the altar, get saved, get delivered, or they leave. Yeah. Like Jesus, when we got in the synagogue, immediately a demon cried out, What do we have to do with thee, the son of David? That's the first time they ever sensed the anointing. For years, that demon was sitting in the back seat of the church and was comfortable. But when the anointing came in, oh my God, I'm being challenged. That ought to be our churches. So they get challenged. I, and I can, I can go on on that. I've challenged many demons. But, all right. We love people. But we do not accept their sin. You know, real quick... Do I have that scripture? Do I have it here? I know where it is. It's Romans chapter 1, but I wanted to read it. Romans, yeah. Romans 1, 32. And it's speaking about homosexuality, all those things. Who knowing the judgment of God, they that commit such things are worthy of death. Not only the same but those that have pleasure in them that do it, do them. You know what that, that word pleasure means? Consent, acceptance. According to the Bible, if you accept that and say that's okay, you are guilty of that sin. And you're worthy of the judgment of God. That's New Testament. So you, you have this thing, you know, uh, well, you guys don't love. I got Bible. I love you. But a sin is a sin. I can love you, but I'm not going to be okay with you. Because if I accept it and say it's all right, I'm worthy of the same judgment as you're going to get. Believe not, I, you know, I, okay, pastor, prophet, pastor, prophet, pastor, prophet, pastor, prophet. Yeah, it's easier to be one or the other. It's either just to be a Randy Greer or a pastor. <laughs> I, I, I've been in ministeriums. And that's why I can't join ministeriums. I, I'd love to. I remember being ministerium, and the first thing one of the ministers in another denomination says, I can't believe some ministers believe that homosexuality is a sin. And I said, I do. And of course, everyone looked at me, and so I couldn't stay very long. <laughs> and, and other things. I, I, they can't believe it. Well, I believe that. Yeah, because I believe the Bible. All right. Again, we, we don't throw stones. We love people, but we don't accept sin. All right. Mm -hmm. what, 
We got five minutes. Okay. There's a whole lot of scriptures. I, I could almost break this into two parts, but I'm not going to. The problem with once saved, always saved is this. A couple of problems. Number one, people can be like Brother Hagen. Come to the altar, say a prayer, and think they're okay, and they're not in hell. You know, I say it all the time, and I say it in jest, but it's true. He went to hell thinking he was a Christian. He prayed a prayer. But he didn't get born again. But also another error, and I have like another hour of notes. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, said it more than once. He said, first the church of Ephesus. He said, but this you have going for you, you, you don't have the, the doctrine Nicolaitans, Nickelodeons, or however you want to say it, Nicolaitans. And it said, the thing I hate. And another church says, you allow that doctrine in your church. I hate that. You, you rarely see a phrase, Jesus saying, I hate something. Very, I, I, don't, I can't even think of anywhere else where Jesus said he hated something. And what is, it was this doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And what is the study? You know, people, pretty much it's this. It's very close to once saved, always saved. It's very close also that it doesn't matter how you live, you're okay with God. And Jesus said, I hate that. We were, were saved by grace, but the following verse says, we are ordained unto good works that we should glorify God. See, if we're born again, we have fruit. And, and see, if you're listening to this once saved, always saved, you, you may be thinking you're saved and up in the hell. Or number two, uh, and, and I didn't even get time to look at this, this abomination of a teaching. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You got saved. You got born again. And came the life and nature of God. You're incapable of sinning from your heart. And see, if, if you teach that, people that are let's say, bound in some physical sins, come to that church, and they hear that, that you cannot help but sin. Well, I guess I can't help but be in this life. There's no help or deliverance. And it leads them down to the path of hell. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we can take any more. That's pretty heated. But I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. What is that? Repent. Yeah. There are countless people that are in hell right now thinking they were supposed to go to heaven. They prayed a prayer. And deception says you are okay. I, I, that's called trusting line values. I want to know I'm okay. I want to know now. But it's very clear in the Bible. When you're born again, you walk right. He that is righteous will have righteous fruit. And if he commits sin, his heart will tell him and smite him. And if his heart is not talking to him, smiting him about sin, he is not born again. Yeah. Eternal security. This is an important thing for us to look at. And hopefully, I, I know you guys know, but hopefully people out there watch. That just Maybe you know some folks. Well, yeah, I'm saved. I go drinking. I go chasing women. They Listen to this. Yeah. And see, I don't need to, to, to convict you. The Spirit of God will convict you. Amen. Well, I know we, we could have won a whole lot more, but we got a whole lot of some other doctrines. And I'm looking forward. I, I, I want to talk about backsliders. 
What is the state if someone was backslid and dies? What happens to a Christian that continually lives in sin? Would you like to know? Stay tuned. Balance. We're not the Pentecostal holiness that, bless God, you miss it and go to hell, but we're definitely not one so you can live any way you want. The truth in the Bible is right in the middle of the road. 